0: What's up Atlanta sports fans, I'm Graham Waldrop and alongside me as always is Adam Kalal and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going sir? Graham, I'm doing very well, good to be back here doing this podcast with you. Yes. Took a little uh, hiatus there last week. It was for... necessary. Yeah, I mean, you... I think you were technically out of town but also, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's good. Coming back refreshed. Uh, we got some shit to dive into. A lot of stuff's happened today, since last on the air. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh we just had for the users out there, Graham and I just had an Atlanta zone retreat mm. up in L.A.J., Georgia. Um, you know, where we really just got our minds off things for a second. It's really stressful doing this podcast. Right. There's a lot of pressure on us, uh not just here in Atlanta, but nationally as well. You gotta get on the river. Um have a few cold ones. Uh, you know, we, we did all types of activities volleyball, uh, team volleyball, horseshoes, can jam, basketball, everything. So I feel like we've, I mean, I, I kicked your ass in every one of those games I just listed. No, I beat you on horse. Okay, I'll give you a horse. <laughs> and one game of knockout. Right, right. That's it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're the unquestioned victor. So. I got that going for me. That is that is nice. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good retreat for the crew in Atlanta and all all twenty one of them. We surprisingly didn't talk much Atlanta sports. Oh, and you know, you go on a retreat like that unless it's like a show based retreat where you go into like figure ideas on the show. It's more just spend time with people that you work with and see a lot, and really just wanting to just hang out separately from the business. That's fair. This Magnum, uh, me, this massive enterprise that we have uh, raised from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point, Graham. Yeah. Um, Speaking of being raised from the ground up, Adam. Oh, what the hell is going on in Flowery Branch? Good point. They've actually started to rise up. I have never seen any team in the NFL start so poorly. Have two, you know, over a sustained period of time. Not like th- two, three, four games. I'm talking eight games. We look like shit. You're 1-7. You don't in have a prayer against anybody. Turn it around the way the Falcons have over the last two weeks. Certainly brings up a lot of uh, interesting things to discuss with these Falcons. I mean, the only major move that was I made mean, with the bye week. I wish that bye week came a couple weeks earlier, huh? Yeah. That made all the difference in the world. Let everyone get their head off of football for a little bit. But uh, the only big change that has happened since then was... Um, Jeff Ulbrich and uh, getting our linebackers coach getting moved to first and second down play caller for defense, and Raheem Morris, who was on offense, as we discussed this on the last show, now he calls plays on third down, and it, it looks like a completely different team. It looks like an elite defense, and I don't say that loosely. I mean, you're going against the Saints, who have had an outstanding season on both sides of the football. And the Panthers, who admittedly Kyle Allen has been falling off a little bit uh, recently. I think he has like nine picks in his last four games or something like that. But point being is that that team has a chance to be on a high-powered offense. The Panthers have had a good season so far. The Saints have been arguably the best team in the NFC. You go to New Orleans, you beat the bejesus out of them, don't allow a touchdown for the first time in uh First time in the Drew Brees-Sean Payton era, they didn't score a touchdown at home. I believe you said we had a 0% chance of winning that game, Graham. I don't know if we... Did we talk about that game before? We did. did Just listened to that podcast today. Your your quote was 0% chance. Sure. But we did make some decent calls with... uh, We thought we were going to see good effort out of them. Yes. We certainly saw that. Nothing to lose. Yeah. And it's just been a complete 180. I mean, the offense has looked good overall. They were they weren't they did an excellent job of having great drives against the Saints, really long sustained drives, keeping uh the Saints off the field. They weren't you know, there's only a couple of big plays. That one big uh pass to Julio comes to mind it was like fifty-six yards or whatever. But other than that, it was just a bunch of dink and dunks, good running. Effort from Brian Hill, Devontae Freeman, who unfortunately got injured in that game. Classic Devontae. But our best running game of the year by far. Yeah. And really kept the Saints on the field. But when they were on the field, we were just getting so much pressure on Drew Brees. I've never (laughs) seen him under that much duress in the history of my life playing against the Falcons. What, we have six sacks in that game? Yeah. Vic Beasley had a sack and a half. He speared Drew Brees literally like a spear going into a man's heart. And that was satisfying. I mean, I get off whenever Drew Brees is sacked by the Falcons or anybody, but mostly the Falcons. That only happens, like, maybe once or twice a year. It's Imagine how my body felt after seeing him get sacked six times right, now. I right. almost died. I and mean, it's just a very strange – I mean, the only other – besides that coaching change, like, they've gone back to 4-3, which I don't know why they went away from that. But, like, you're seeing it open up opportunities for these guys on the defensive line – Adrian Claiborne's come back. Yeah, again, a ton of pressure, but only sending four guys mostly. I mean, we're sending blitzes every once in a while, but the blitz, the, the blitzes are not as voracious as they were in prior weeks when we seemed desperate to try and get pressure on the quarterback in any way possible. It's, it's. I don't know what to make of it, Graham. I'm happy to see it, though. I'll tell you that much. Like watching losing football isn't fun. Yeah, even though you're kind of at this point not mathematically eliminated, but for all intents and purposes. And purposes eliminated. Eliminated. Yeah. It's still nice to see the team going out there and playing well. It just makes you frustrated and wondering why the hell it took so long to get to where we are. And I think the biggest reason for this change, Adam, is I'm gonna have to say Raheem Morris because since the Cardinals game, Jeff Oldbridge had been calling the defensive. I've uh, been the defensive coordinator, but during the bye week, Raheem Morris switches from wide receivers coach to secondary coach and takes up man uh, and then mans the third down play calling. And I feel like it's not the only thing, but that's the biggest, biggest change that happened. So I have to look in the direction of Raheem Morris and say he must be the biggest impact in terms of the variety of changes that has been happening for the Falcons right now. Well, it seems like the communication in the secondary is just so much better with him. And, and his, Raheem Morris has said that him being on the offensive side of the ball has helped him out so much as a defensive coach now. Well, that's, that's great it, now it, he's it, been groomed to be a, a, a head coach again and now he's going to leave us after this right. year probably probably so. <laughs> probably so probably so but um yeah i mean that's been crucial i mean like he seems to have a way of connecting with these guys that coach bro just wasn't doing on his own um but what, what do you think about this whole Ulbricht calling first and second down and morris calling third it kind of <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're more prepared uh, to probably probably be facing a passing play on third down. You got the secondary guy calling the play. Yeah, I've never heard of something like that. That's not to say it's unprecedented. But I've never heard of something like that, but it's working beautifully. Only 15 points allowed in the last 10 quarters. No touchdowns. No touchdown. 29 to three was the the final score of the Panthers game. We even got a special teams uh, touchdown in that game. By Kenjin Barner, he returned a punt a punt to the house. That's the other thing. Special teams has looked amazing as well. Yeah. Is it, does it all come down to a young way coup? He did miss a 38-yard field goal. He did. In the, in the Panthers game, not that it mattered. But he's still 7 of 8. Yeah, I and mean, he's looked good overall. Uh, like you mentioned, Vic Beasley looked good. Uh, the Even though the defense was dominant in the Saints game, they still didn't force any turnovers. They hadn't had any turnovers since the Sunday night football game against the Eagles where Desmond Trufant had two two picks they get four interceptions <laughs> against the Carolina Panthers and I think that's attributed I mean we, we talked about Kyle Allen struggling recently in the last few weeks but I think it's also attributed to the amount of pressure we got him I think we had what five sacks in that game yeah. against Allen he starts making really bad throws as the game goes along worse and worse and worse to the point where we just it, it was almost like you were expecting a pick every time they, they got the ball, particularly in the second half. Yeah, anytime they are in the red zone. I mean, two red zone picks, I believe, as well. Um, I, I just, I mean, we, Trufant was back this game. That seemed to help. Um, but you also just got to think there's been development. And uh, Isaiah Oliver looks a ton better oh than he did God. at the beginning it's of the year. Oh, my God, it's a night and day difference. His coverage is tight Demonte Casey looks very comfortable being back in safety. Kendall Sheffield has developed and gotten better, so I mean, we've kind of known this talent is on this team. It's, and it just yeah. sucks that it took this long for it to come out and show. Yeah, and now as if you're Arthur <coughs> Blank, you're in a very precarious position I think as an owner. And that's not to say that the Falcons can't fall apart again, considering how shady the season has gone. But I find it hard to believe that I mean, it's just so weird. It's like we were, you know, 1 and 7, it was just Whatever this is bullshit. Fire Quinn. Fire Quinn. Fire Quinn. Arthur Blank has kept the faith, and that's not to say it's going to pay off with returning to the playoffs, unless there's a massive collapse or two that happens to uh, the other two wildcard teams, or even the Saints, which I don't anticipate. But he's in a position right now where he let he didn't fire Quinn. He's seen a massive turnaround completely. If the Falcons keep up this intensity and go, you know, win, uh, you know, go five and one over the last six games or whatever it is. That would be 8-8, eight and eight, I believe, yeah. It's like, or if you went out and go 9-7, and seven, or if you're 7-9, and nine, you have to feel like, especially if they're blowing people out like this, good teams, you're kind of in a position where you have to bring Quinn back. Oh, yeah, I mean, it would have been so easy to fire him after the Seahawks game. Right. I mean, Arthur likes Coach Quinn. Yeah. Clearly. Um, he doesn't want to lose him I and mean, this is the turnaround he's been looking for, so I think it's safe to say unless there's a massive, massive regression again. Coach Quinn's back. And I mean, I don't want to rebuild. No, it's but you also wonder if there's another coaching staff that can get a similar effort out of this team, considering that the, the, the players appears the that the personnel is actually there. Well, they but it also shows that they're fighting for their coach, right? But they, I, I don't think you can automatically wash away the sins of the one and seven start either, because this is like a damned if you. This is like, this is this is validating the belief in Quinn in a way. It's also damning him in another way because it's like it took you this long to get this effort out of these guys to play at this level, and that's not to say but you can flip that on the players as well. You could, and there's a there's a myriad of things to to consider, <coughs> but it's still a bizarre situation that we're in right now that we're like the best three and seven team you can possibly imagine right now. Oh, we're dangerous. Yeah. No one, no one <laughs> should want to play the Falcons. No at all. Hell no. And how good is Matt Ryan, man? Oh, it looks great. Especially in the Carolina game. I was, you know, we were sitting there last, in the last episode going, shut him down, shut him down for the season. Blah, blah, blah. He was masterful. Um, only had one touchdown. I threw for over 300 yards. In particular, the one play that really stood out to me was the the play action pass to Calvin Ridley in the first quarter. I think it was like a forty yard pass or something. Where he, he play actions, he's going to get nailed. He does. He throws a strike to Ridley, hits him perfectly in stride for a huge first down and, and so much more. Matt Ryan also moved to tenth all time in the history of the NFL in passing yards. Yeah, he's been good for a long time now. Yes. Um, yeah, Matt looked good. Calvin really had an outstanding game, 143 yards, and eight catches, and a touchdown. Showing what he can do as the true number two receiver now with Sanu gone. Yeah, Julio looked really good again, um, I think six catches, 91 yards. And now we go into his matchup this weekend against Tampa Bay where they've been struggling. They just got beaten by double digits by the Saints. And every time that the Falcons play the Bucks, it seems like Julio Jones has a career day. So I'm ex- and and their secondary this year is arguably the worst in football. So I'm expecting, which I'm sure I'm jinxing by saying this, but I'm expecting a huge day from Julio and Matt. Bucks are a tricky team though, because I mean, their they offense do that, is But then they went to L.A. and beat the Rams. You right? Know? It's just you, like, you never know what who's going to show yeah, up. Yeah, you never know what you're getting out of them. But even when they went to L.A. and beat the Rams, their secondary was still awful. Oh, yeah. And they gave up a There's shit a ton out. of points and yards to a Rams offense that has been absolutely terrible this season. So I think that, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like you have to be a little confident heading into this game. Then it gets back to the whole thing of like you finish 7-9 again or whatever it is, and you get a, you know, we're right back to where we started kind of thing, which is a sign of decay to me, in a way. It's another year wasted. Kind of thing, kind of. But how how many times look, do you give one a chance to do this? Like if you start off one and six next year and you finish eight and eight again, you gotta hmm. you gotta axe them at that point. I'm not thinking that's what I don't. I think a one and seven start is very rare for a team with this much talent, right? But and a, and a top quarterback. Um, but I mean, taking the positive side, Caleb McGarry's looked. A lot better as well. Matt's gotten a lot more time in the pocket, and, uh, yeah, I I think the offensive line as a whole, yeah, Gary has looked better. His development, and then we get, I mean, I still don't know if, I can't remember his name anymore. Chris Lindstrom. Chris Lindstrom. Hopefully he comes back soon. Um, So. I haven't really heard anything about him. No, I think they're kind of in turmoil about whether or not to bring him back or not. Might not be worth it might be worth just letting uh, them rehab. Maybe, but I think it'd be good to get him some playing time this year as well. Oh, yeah. It's just but, you don't, want, you don't want to you, rest re you. But if you have hits on Oliver and Sheffield and you do have Deion Jones locked up and Julio and Ricardo Allen, then, I mean, I don't know. It just sucks we're already talking about next year. Right. Now. And, yeah, you get Keanu back, hopefully. Yeah, but, but I guess the point is you don't see as big of a need to get – a top-five draft pick. No, but you could have said the same, you know, I thought the same thing last year, too. It's just sort of... Yes, I think if you bring Quinn back, if we don't, you know, completely uh, collapse here for whatever reason and, and regress back to where we were at the beginning of the season... Quinn's got to be on a short leash next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the shortest of leashes. We've really gone all the way around, though, from 100% fire Quinn... Immediately, there's no need for him to finish no. out. To he's on a short leash. Well, yeah, but here. it's but it's like you. You can't fire a, a guy whose team's playing like that right now. If they continue to play like that, and you yeah. can't expect them to beat the shit out of everybody, and never get a touchdown for the rest of the year. But if they keep playing the way they are, where they're competing, and you know, winning games, and it's not yeah. and, you know, if they lose a game, and it comes down to like a freak play and it's a close game the whole time, whatever. But if, you know, I never want to see another lackluster start. Where we're down 20 to nothing in the first or second quarter. Right. Like, if that happens again, sorry. they're just playing on a different level. Like, even like Cutter's offense looks, he's throwing a lot of wrenches in there that we haven't seen, that have been working with some reverses and end arounds. Yeah, a and couple little trick plays. Everything's just a lot, turnovers haven't been an issue. Yeah, it's gotten rid of the bubble screen, which has been nice to see. Uh, also, doing that without Austin Hooper, who's been yeah, we were a huge contributor on offense this year. Yeah, if anything, we're less healthy than we were a couple weeks ago. Yeah. One thing I don't think we talked about, Adam, that happened, uh, I think, before we recorded our last show. I can't remember. Who cares? Falcons had a chance to trade Devontae Freeman. Didn't do it. I have to wonder why. The, the Lions came to the Falcons and said, we'll take him yeah, that's true. I mean, it makes no sense. It, it, I might need point. more detail. It was during the bye week. Maybe they were asking us to eat like all of the money. Maybe, um, which is weird though. But I mean, I feel decent with Ito for next year and Brian Hill and all- uh, uh, Allison finally got called up this week. And yeah, he didn't do much, but but seeing him ramming in for the one yard line, how sweet was that? That was good. It was good. I'm not going to get too excited about that, but it was it was still nice to see. But just power football. Yeah, I, I'm more excited about Hill from what I'm seeing from him right now. He's also getting more opportunities. But I really do wonder what happens. What becomes of Devontae? He's become another. You know, it's another year from him where he's missing games and not healthy. And I think that's one of our preseason predictions that are coming true already. Right yeah, exactly. That he's, most, he's just going to be healthy. most disappointing, Devontae yeah. Freeman. So we'll have to see how this weekend shakes out. I think we have the same record as Tampa Bay. We're both 3-7. and seven. Yeah, let's get out of the cellar. Yeah, Jameis Winston's playing. is not playing as well as he was. Uh, they still got two dangerous receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, two of the best in the league. Uh, I think they're definitely the best, arguably the best receiving tandem in the league, even more than Julio and Ridley. Like They consistently have put up just beastly numbers this year. Um, so it'll be a good test for our young cornerback, crew, along with Fine to see what they can do to contain him, or contain them, excuse me. And then, they don't really have much of a running game. They got Ronald Jones, the second, second. who's okay at best, but he's become their clear starter over Peyton Barber. He had a, uh, not against the Saints, but the week prior, he had a good game, 85, I think 85 rush yards with a touchdown. But I'm not really concerned about him. I mean, McCaffrey got his last week, but we kept him out of the end zone. And he got most all most dump offs. It was, yeah, it was all dump offs. Most of his damage was through the air. Yeah. And Ronald Jones isn't exactly an elite uh, receiver uh, out of the backfield. And you know, there's another thing too. It's like we just crushed Alvin Kamara in that Saints game. He didn't get anything going. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I was expecting Breeze to have the game of his life. Michael Thomas did have a good game, but some of that was garbage on the last drive. Yeah. But Kamara was just totally neutralized, and I know he was coming off injury. But even still, it's just this effort by the defense and how well they're playing well, all across the board. How strange is it to see? Like we didn't, we touched on it, but didn't really go into it. It's so weird to see Vic Beasley be a factor again. Yeah, he's got what two sacks in the last couple of weeks. Two and a half now. Two and a half. Yeah, so he's got four and a half for the year. I guess you got to extend him for five years for fifty-seven or one hundred thirty million dollars. But it's like, I just don't understand this three-four. Why do we go to that three-four that was garbage forever? Yeah, it didn't really make a lot of sense, and it also limits your pass rush, particularly if you're only rushing the the front three. And it, and you know our, our linebackers aren't that good. No, no, To not having a three four exactly. So it, it was an odd move, and I don't think we were a three four last year either. So or the year prior, that was that was an odd move. There's a lot of yeah, I mean, second And, guys and Look, I, I could I could see. Arthur still firing Quinn just based off that start like he said right it wouldn't shock me but I don't think he wants to do that no if he wanted to do it he would have done it I feel like I think he was pretty much ready to do it but he was like look I like Coach Quinn a lot I'll give him one more chance and then we went out there and just beat the shit out of the Saints yeah it was just ridiculously crazy uh, hey, that's our Super Bowl this year. Beating them at home is awesome. Yeah, and it, I mean, it makes Thanksgiving a lot more interesting. Yeah, I think they'll be a little more well attended. And, yeah, I'm interested uh, to see what the this the the great anus looks like this weekend. Yeah, There's see if a people little actually little more interest in show that, up maybe. a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now that we're in division play, alright They're definitely giving folks uh, more to see. Yeah, I kind of want to go to the game, but I don't think I will. I kind of do. I mean, it seems like it could be a good time. Could be. We should beat the Bucks. I'll say that much. Yeah. Which I didn't think I was going to say about any team. Yeah, and then you, the you think the three year. weeks ago you are going to say, we should beat whoever else we play the rest no, of the year. No, I thought we were going to lose out. Yeah. But now, like, the rest of the schedule actually looks very doable. It's so frustrating to think, like, if we had just beaten the the Titans and the Cardinals, we'd be 5-5 five and five right now and right in the thick of it with this – Seemingly now, elite defense. I know playing either or just life. one of those teams, like, and we're in calling distance. Like, yeah. Or if the Saints didn't win five straight with Teddy Bridgewater, right? Freak shit like that. Which we didn't see happening. No. Um, it just seems insurmountable. Like the Vikings have won eight games. No, no. It's, uh, there's no way that have you heard all these people online that have been talking about? Oh, if you just went out of the division. You're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's like what are you talking about? This okay. isn't the ACC. No, where you get to you go get to the championship game. I wish start. there was a S, uh, NFC South tournament. Yeah, we might <laughs> fucking win the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how this works, though. Right? we um, yeah, one in seven. That's hard to climb out of. Yeah, particularly when the, there's a clear there's a clear barrier between the upper echelon of the NFC and the lower echelon. We were definitely still in the lower echelon. And even though like the last wild card team, I think is Seattle or I can't remember Minnesota they won eight games already. Yeah. So it's like, unless so we would we need them to, lose. and they would have the tiebreaker over us. Right. Cause they beat us. Earlier so we would need so. them to lose out basically. Yeah. And then you need the saints to pretty much lose out at this point. And that's not going to happen. No. Um, I'll tell you what I want though. I want to beat the saints again. Of course giving. And I want to beat Shanahan in San Francisco. I think those are two games, yeah, that you'd love to win. And just beat Tampa Bay because you should. So you're on the same page. You're, you're not all about this tanking for a draft. <sighs> not though. at this point. This means like if I have to bite getting another like 14th or 15th overall pick again for our team's going to look really good next year because of these adjustments we've made and we know how to do what we need to do now. Gosh. And Raheem Morris and Jeff Olbrich come back, then, yeah, do what you got to do to win. So it doesn't help the salary cap and all the other bullshit that's happened. But it would you be, have to feel more confident going into next year if we play like this than we did last year being a bunch of bullshit teams and still not really playing all that well. It would be good going into a second year with the same coaching regime because that's generally the year where we figure it out. Yeah, and I that's mean, the even, thing. Even like Cutter, I have no issues with Cutter right now. Mm-hmm. You Mm-hmm. know. So. I mean, I'm still not a huge fan of his dink and dunk style, but he's getting a little bit away from that. He's, as you mentioned, he's varying his play call, calling a little bit more, which is nice. But I know he wants to do his bubble screens, and we're just not equipped to do that. So I wouldn't be upset if he went out and found another offensive coordinator. I don't think it's warranted no, I don't right want to now. switch it up anymore. So at the, at the end of the day, I think we're kind of on the same page that the way we're feeling now after two huge wins, granted that could all flip-flop in one game, if we get blown out by the bucks at home, we're, yeah. we're probably back on the fire quinn train. He's on a, he's literally walking on the razor's edge right now. He he can afford no more gaffes like that. Yeah. He cannot he cannot afford that. Right. As much as, you know, the, the praise we're kind of heaping on him right now, uh you have another effort like that, I don't I don't give a shit. Sorry. But I would prefer to go into next year with everything in place kind of hoping that's a one-off and just sticking to the history that generally in Matt Ryan's second year of an offensive coordinator shit takes off. Yeah, and the offense has played well this year overall, I'd say minus the run game. So it's yeah. not like the passing game sucks. We'll see what happens. It certainly makes Sundays a lot more fun. Yeah. It was so weird because we, you know, come back from the mountains and hungover as hell and lack of sleep and whatnot. I thought I was in an alternate reality or something. I was like, am I still just absolutely wasted and hallucinating right now? Yeah, it was um, yeah, I never, I, when, when the punt return happened. It was the first punt return for a touchdown by Falcons since Devin Hester in 2012. It's been a long time. I remember that one. I was, I was actually at that game. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> um, at the Georgia Dome against Tampa Bay. No, be against Cincinnati It's one of the two It doesn't matter But either way I mean I was just like Looking for flags Surely there's a flag That's coming back But yeah. like They were just blocking The hell out of them The special teams Looks amazing I know it was crazy It was funny too Because like right before That happened I was like What the shit's going on here What's, what's going to happen next We're going to return A fucking punt for a touchdown <laughs> And then There it was uh, Befuddling stuff Yeah Good stuff But befuddling nonetheless Yes indeed Let's move on to the Hawks, Adam. Fresh off a 1-4 and road trip to the West, only beating the Denver Nuggets and getting eviscerated in Los Angeles on back-to-back games, 150-101 to the Clippers, and I think we lost by 20 points to the Lakers. This team is really missing John Collins right now. And Kevin Herter. And Kevin Herter, who now has been completely benched, I think, with more shoulder issues. He's out... Um... Just came out today. He's out at least four weeks. Fuck. Yeah, so you're, I mean, you're missing. I know we've said on this podcast that those should be your second and third best player right there. Yeah. And we're missing them. So what do you expect? It's a lot of pressure to put on Hunter and Reddish. And Reddish still hasn't really taken off offensively yet. Once again, I'm going to give him a long leash. Hunter's been solid, but nothing spectacular. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And once again, I would still give him a long lead. He's still playing decent enough basketball. I mean, there's no reason to really uh, freak out by these guys right now in terms of how they're producing. Looks like – I mean, they're only a game and a half out of the eighth spot in the playoffs, so. There's still plenty of time to write the ship. Yeah, we're not at the point of uh, writing them off or anything, but, I mean, this injury thing is killing. The injury thing to Herter, the Collins suspension – Hopefully they just need to come home, get things right. Yeah, but well, the, the tough thing also... The records, I mean, the, the um, schedule's not easy. schedule's either. been brutal, especially playing the Clippers and Lakers back-to-back. I mean, the Lakers are one of the best teams in the league. Clippers just got Paul uh, George back. He scored 37 points in 20 minutes. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, and he didn't play after that, which is even more ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I, I think the tough part about this is... I think the tough part about this is that if Trey has any sort of cold streak, which he did a little bit in that Suns game, he started off pretty hot and then got went a little cold. I think we had four or five points in this in the second half. Uh, There's no one to pick up the slack. There's no one to take the pressure off Trey. He's having to carry the whole team. He's doing a good job, but you know his game is still developing as well. And you can't expect him to go out there and drop, you know, 45 and 15 every night, Uh, especially with his supporting cast. When he has more people to help him, like Herter and Collins in particular, you know, you're going to have a better game from him overall. But when he has to do literally everything on the floor, it seems like, he's just not going to put up those uh, Luka Doncic-esque numbers every night. That's true. You, You know, I'm looking at this box score from the Lakers game, though. Who are eleven and two? I didn't realize they were that good. Oh yeah, no, they're they're out, out an outstanding season so far. I see some promising signs though. <clears throat> so we only got. I mean, Jabari Parker's pretty much been our secondary scorer. Yeah, he's he's played admirably. <clears throat> and we but we only got eleven from him that game. Your boy Cam went off for thirteen. Ooh, that's promising. Might be a career high. Um, Alan Crab, who you'll cr- recall, he came over in the Torian Prince trade. Haven't really seen him this year. He had 11 and 15 minutes. Mm. So that's promising to me in the fact that let's get home, get a little mojo going. Yeah. If some of these other guys – I mean, we really just need people to be around there, be around 12, 15 points. Trey's going to take care of the rest. Um, but you're right. I mean, it is a lot of pressure to have on such a young guy. But, I mean, he he's the type of person who he wants that spotlight. Yeah. Um. But yeah, some, some growing pains right now and they're just kinda new they'd start slow, so they're figuring it out. Right. I think once they get Collins back, once they get her back, I think the I think we'll start turning up again. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a few more weeks of brutal basketball. And hopefully they can tread water as much as possible to try and stay try to get closer to five hundred. They can be within three or four games of five hundred by the time that even five or six, by the time that Herter and Collins can get back on the floor and contribute at a high level, we'll be okay. I mean, it was a 21-game 20 ga- suspension, I believe. 25. 25. So I think he's served like four or five of those games so far. Oh, surely it's more than that. What do I know, though, Graham? Well, the NBA doesn't play every night. They've had a couple of nights off here and there. I think it's been like five games. 5 or 6 games Whatever It's still Still to like Middle of December I think Or December 23rd Or something He's out So It's gonna be a minute Over a month Let's talk a little Braves Adam Braves made a Big splash In free agency Which I never thought I'd say uh, And Signed Will Smith Former closer For the San Francisco Giants To a 3 year 40 million deal Includes a 4th year option Smith was pretty dominant last year as a closer. Had a 2.76 ERA with 34 saves. 63 appearances with a sub-500 San Francisco Giants team. Uh, 96 strikeouts, 21 walks. Limited opposing hitters to a .196 average, including 157 against lefties. And uh, seems to have solidified the back end of the bullpen. We're going to lose Chris Martin, probably. So now he joins Melanson and Shane Green as the back end of the bullpen. And you got to feel a hell of a lot more confident heading into this season than you did last season about the bullpen, considering where we are. Well, we still need to offer Shane Green a deal. Indeed. You have to think the Braves would be crazy. I've heard rumors that we might not tender him, but I think that would just be really foolhardy, particularly considering how young he is and how much he stepped up after he had his initial run. With Chris Martin not coming back, it would make zero sense to me. Yeah, like who are you going to replace him with? Yeah. Freaking... Luke Jackson, America's hero. You always going back to Luke Jackson. I'm just saying. They they also re they did resign Darren O'Day as well. Yeah, I saw that. So we'll get a full year of him. One year uh, deal. Yeah, certainly an unexpected splash from the Braves. What's funny is Anthopolis, you know, they were asking him about, you know, what do you think? And he's like, Oh yeah, I know we're kinda of thinking, you know, looking at rotation, looking at outfield, stuff like that, and then next day it was oh, I signed Will Smith. Yeah, cool. who I think is certainly the best closer on the free agent market. Yeah, he was. Yeah, And funny enough, the the Braves are reportedly saying that he's not going to be the closer, which is also interesting. Yeah, they're saying Melanson's still their guy, but that's how it was with Shane Green, and that lasted a week. So right. It all depends on performance. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen there. That's so not that big of a I deal. I also think if you're signing a guy to that kind of deal, you'd want him to be the closer, but what the hell do I know? Anyway, yeah, should be based on how much money a guy makes, Graham. Hell oh, yeah, it should. Should be based on whoever the best performer is. True, but I think if you look at the peripherals, Green uh, Melanson's probably making pretty damn close to what he's making. Well, he was, but he was vastly overpaid for his work in Pittsburgh, and then did not have a very good career with San Francisco, and lost his closer spot. Picked it up last year, certainly. Even before he came to the Braves, but. but for this argument's sake, we're just talking about how much money they make a year. Indeed, similar. Fair enough. Okay. Do uh, you like the move overall? Yeah, I mean, I like the move as long as it's not the only move. Um, you would. Th- I mean, it's just such a rare thing for the Braves under any regime to spend big money on a reliever. Yeah. So I would think that they're doing that like that. They have so many other holes right now. There's no way this is their only move they're making. I think this is just timing wise. It's how it worked out. I heard Smith's agent was like saying that he was going to accept the Giants arbitration deal on this day. I think it's a qualifying offer. Qualifying offer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think that's why this happened early. Um, But leads me to believe more is going to happen. This isn't going to be all we do. I mean we, we got two starting rotation spots to, to fill. We need a starting catcher. Yes, a real starting catcher, not Tyler Flowers. And we need a third baseman. Yes. And who knows? I mean like I've heard a lot of rumors about Austin Riley being floated out there as a trade chip and things like that. It'll be a very fascinating offseason to watch and the first dominoes fallen. This has really been the only super high-profile move that's happened so far in the offseason. And we're about two, three weeks removed from the World Series at this point. So you'd expect some things to really be – You've got to be happy out. with this move, though, right, Graham? Overall, yeah. I mean, the guys had a solid career, really good season last year. We certainly need – you know. I think the more you can solidify the bullpen, the better. Um, and I'd rather do that before the season starts than during the middle of the season. So I, I applaud the move. And like, you're, like you said, I hope there's a uh, few more to come, whether they be free agent moves or trades, in order to improve the ball the ball club. But, I, I, you know, that was the last thing I was expecting. So it's nice to see. Don't really have much of a, a, a screaming rant to go on this time. Can't really poke holes in this one. <laughs> no. And it's not like we already paid for. It. It's not like, <laughs> let's give them $70 million or something. 30, really have $13 like a, million a year. Yeah. That's fine. Three years for a guy that's... I can't even it's remember. fourth-year option as well. Yeah. Who's still in his in his prime. So, <clears throat> sounds good to me. Doesn't walk many guys. Yeah. Like I said, I had 96 walks, 21 strikeouts. Or, excuse me, 90... <laughs> 96 strikeouts and 21 walks. That sounds better. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't walk many guys. <laughs> well, I did walk 96 guys <laughs> last year. But that was a fluke. Yeah. He's on a short leash. Right. And... Yeah, Donaldson declined the op, uh, the qualifying offer, which was expected. There's been a lot of rumblings around Donaldson. Nationals are interested. Rangers are interested. I wonder if it's one of those things where he's just going on and engaging the market and he's going to come back to the Braves and say, hey, pay me this or fuck off, or if he's going to just jump at some uh, ridiculously overpriced offer. I think as long as no one offers him four guaranteed years, I think he, he's going to give the Braves every opportunity to, to match it. Mm. He, I think he enjoyed playing here. The fans obviously enjoyed having him. The team really liked him a lot. Yeah. Um, he knows the training staff, which is important to him after his injury history. It all makes sense that he would come back to the Braves. Yeah. Unless I mean, it gets scary if the Nationals lose a Rendon... And then maybe they make a big push and just overpay for Donaldson, which they certainly have the capability to do so. Yeah, that's where it gets scary. Yeah, Um, we really can't replace his production, and if we don't have him, not with anybody in house, I would agree. Mustakas isn't going to replace him. No, but Mustakas going to have a comparable kind of season. He had a he had a very very solid year with the Brewers, but I don't think he's the I don't know I don't know the defensive uh, metrics on. Moustakis, but, you know, Donaldson played some outstanding third base overall for us last season. That would be hard to replace too. You, you you know, we always are fixated on the power of Donaldson and his ability to draw walks and things like that. But he also plays an outstanding defensive third base. And that is a, a very key part of what made the Braves such a good defensive team this year was how good he was on, at, at the hot corner. So I think I still think we bring him back just because and we did give him the qualifying offer, so it shows that hey, we want you guy. Well, you're going to do that anyway. Yeah, yeah. high-profile free agent. If you didn't want him, because you know he's going to turn it down. Because you get a draft pick if, in case he leaves. It's, it's a it's a good insurance policy, but it's also <laughs> one of the things that has really screwed up free agency to a degree. Right. Because it's prevented people from wanting to sign folks, especially older players. Mm-hmm. So it could be you know that could potentially work in the Braves' favor, but maybe not considering how how hot the the action is around around Donson in terms of the rumor mill. I mean, he, I don't think he'd want to go to Texas and just... Languish. Yeah. The thing so is, they give him a big deal, you know. I mean, if he's just money, talking about money, money. talks, He's made a ton of money already. True. So we'll see. Yeah, hopefully we can we can bring him back at a reasonable enough deal and at a reasonable enough timeline. I don't want to be, you know, if he wants four or five years somewhere, I'm sorry. Like, that's just that's too much for a guy at his age and in, in the injury history that's recently cropped up. No, I mean, I, I think you do three guaranteed, fourth with like incentives or something, if fourth, you have to. Fourth year option. Yeah. Or club like, club option. Yeah, like if he hits certain uh, incentives, you know, at bats, home runs, RBIs, whatever, yeah. in the third in that third year, then maybe that'll kick in the fourth year, something like that. I'd rather just make it a club option. You can do other incentives elsewhere. Well, actually. for. Negotiating sake, you'd have to do some of these things, for him. Maybe. You really better hope if the, if there's that, no precipitous the, the, fall. The off. damn Phillies could offer him. Oh, fuck the Phillies. Six years, $250 million. The Phillies got Joe Madden as their manager, speaking of the Phillies. What? Oh, you didn't hear about that? No. Yeah, Joe Madden's going to Philadelphia. When did that happen? A few weeks ago. Um, I heard Girardi signed with the Giants, which was surprising. I'm not Girardi. Gabe Kapler. Uh, Gabe Kapler signed with the Giants, which was surprising. Gabe Kapler's with the Giants now, and Joe Madden's with the Phillies. And that scares me a little bit because wherever Joe Madden goes, he wins. Um, Doesn't matter if it's with a team with no money or a team with a lot of money. He won, you know, American League Championship with Tampa Bay Rays, fostered a lot of incredible players like Evan Longoria and David Price, goes to Chicago, breaks a 110-year curse, he had a good farm system, but you know, once again, he, he cultivated. He helped cultivate that shit. Yeah, and won a World Series. So, I am afraid of Joe Madden. Joe Madden wins. I know he had a he had a rough season in Chicago, but this guy is a good manager, and he's proven that he can win anywhere. It's kind of crazy how quickly Chicago gave up on him. Well, I think it's just one of those things, like we talked about. Um, you know, teams <clears throat> that hold their managers accountable when. You know, they underperform even if they've done extremely well and achieved the highest goals you can possibly set. If it's not working, they're not going to just let it languish, and it clearly wasn't working. So now they got Rossi, the Cubs. Yeah, David Ross is on the Cubs, which is he's, he's probably a damn good manager. Yeah, you know, he's he's a pure baseball guy, through and through. He knows that locker room, obviously, being a member of the championship team yeah. there. So, yeah, I don't like Joe Madden be on the Phillies when I yeah, saw that. I was that like, makes like she- That makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, because you know they—they they are a very underperforming at a very underperforming team last year. They got a ton of talent on that on that squad. Yeah. So, and all should once again be quite competitive next year. Well, winter meetings coming up in December. I mean, last year I think we signed Donaldson before. I think we signed him before Thanksgiving. So um, he he might just be a guy that likes to get it done early. So maybe we'll have some news here in the next week or two. No, maybe so. We shall see. Well. I think this wraps up today's episode of Lanzar Zone. a pretty quaint little show we had here tonight. Sometimes you got to get in and out, touch on the basics. Not go on a 45-minute screaming rampage? No anger. No. No big emotion. I mean, that's kind of just signs of where we're at right now. Sure. With everything. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Well, until next time, next time, next time, everybody, rise up, chop on, stand Brotherhood, unite and conquer. Remain true to Atlanta. Thank you for listening. Hospitometer sip. Hospitometer sip.